we're starting now. We're starting now. <laughs> it's a <laughs> setup. Um, it's a setup. We're not talking about that. <laughs> I'll beep it out. Uh, it is uh, the setup. It's uh, Monday, November 25th, 2019. It's Thanksgiving week. It's Thanksgiving week. Happy and, Thanksgiving. Uh, we brought a guest who has no cultural relationship to that idea at all. Uh, all right. I guess Precisely I'll give, zero. give a little introduction. It's, it's so weird to have like introducing someone that you're looking at on a podcast. Um, this person, I, 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 I wanted <laughs> to have- basically saying it's so weird to do things a host should do. <laughs> yes. It's so weird to introduce someone that you. Well, it's just by. like it's weird to like. Usually they're in a curtain, they're behind a curtain backstage. Uh, but now I just have to like oh, make yeah. eye contact with you. I thought you were about to say it's so weird to have someone who just doesn't get Thanksgiving here. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot to get nowadays. Um, I mean, I can't remember the last time at a Thanksgiving we all like did that thing where you go around and say you're thankful for. You know, oh, right? they only do that on TV. Yeah, it's yeah. a TV. I, thing. I guess so. That's yeah, where I, I learned there's a, my in, American norms. Like in Australia, we have um, like Australia Day that we've sort of nicknamed Invasion Day. It's like yeah. when the white people came and like killed all the natives. And like oh. I've seen some similar things with Thanksgiving of people giving it nicknames. It's like, yeah, we just kind of well, uh, screwed everyone. That was dark. Uh, <laughs> I will uh, give you your introduction, though. I'm, I'm very excited to have this person on because I've wanted to for a while. And you're one of the most eloquent speakers that I know in magic. It's also nice because uh, uh, you've said a lot of nice things to me, uh, which is very nice. <laughs> Nobody else is like, John, here's something you're good at. And it's very nice to have that energy in my life. Uh, um, even just a few minutes ago, we had coffee, and you're like, "I'm going to tell you something you did well yesterday." And I'm like, "Oh, thank you. This is a nice energy." Um, but this there's, is, there's uh, a lot of eloquent speakers about magic that dislike you. Yes, and very so much so. We could have had any of them on as right. Anytime I talk to Shoot, my feelings are very hurt for the next couple of days. And that's the thing, like that's Shoot liking you, as right? Well. It, it, it really is. There, there's a, yeah, it's like yeah, that he cares enough to Actually say horrible things to me suck. instead of just yeah. going like. Uh, Good, yeah, good. Um, well, uh, this is a two-time FISM Award winner uh, who just recently has been doing, uh, I, I'd say one of your biggest endeavors recently has been a two-person show with Shoot, um, and also a show you kind of created that is tentatively right now called uh, Magic Showdown, um, that has uh, gone in a couple places, I'd love to talk about that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Simon Coronel. G'day. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I have to boost the signal on this. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I, I get the vibe that the low or low volume crappiness of that was the bit. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I, the that was more just not having it turned up enough. Yes, constantly turning my incompetence into a bit. Air quotes is is my brand. <laughs> I like it. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you, Simon. Yeah. Before we, where's do, your accent from? No, before we do this podcast, we have to make sure that you have your ENG one Seafarer's medical certificate. <laughs> right. So. Uh, actually, the real first one. thing, given the last couple of weeks, and I was actually going to say this to you in, in the car on the way over here, because you're you are seeing shoot later today. Oh, yeah. Okay, the best advice I can give you in life right now mm. is no matter how far you have to drive, which in Hollywood is not that far, in the next couple of days you must see the film Parasite. Oh yes, you haven't seen it yet. No, uh, it's it's, it's certainly it the best film I've seen. It's a, it's a Korean film by Bong Joon Ho, okay. um, who who directed a lot of other strange. Uh, Sort of bizarre, kind of like um, um, satire pieces. The host, the host, Snowpiercer, Oakja. Oh, Snowpiercer, I know. About. Um, I haven't seen and, that. Uh, and, and, and and Parasite just it was getting the most wonderful praise. I was like, okay, so I saw it, and I. It's incredible. I was warned in the, in the trailer. There was this review that goes, "You'll stagger out." I staggered out of the theater. I'm like, "Well, now that they've told me that I'm totally not going to." And I did. It's, wow. Uh, All right. It's it's it's, it's for someone like you. It, yeah. it really it it um. 
It's it's absolutely wonderful, and it's it's our it's our mission on this podcast inadvertently over the last month just to get we as many people about to see this. We talk about it almost every episode. Have you uh, are you caught up on Watchmen? No, I haven't watched any Watchmen yet. Oh shit! Are you? I, seen, no, I, I, I saw your post you, about it last you're a comic book fan, right? Yeah, I I'm a you're the original. I'm a yeah, I've read the original, loved it. Yes. and I've heard I've heard what this series is, and I haven't seen any of it yet. Okay, I'm the a, new one. I'm a weird comic book fan because I have been a comic book fan forever, and I just can can we swear on this? Is there a content policy? Uh, sure. Yeah, I fucking hate most of the Marvel Cinematic Jesus Universe. Christ, you so much. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just because it's so disappointing to me that like some of the comics are so great and powerful and interesting, and then all the movies have just tapped into the weakest, dumbest parts. To me, subjectively. I don't disagree with any of I don't of blame this. anyone for liking them. It's fine. I just, just I'm just going to stay I do blame them for this for part. Well, nice uh, the, the thing that I have found with those is that, I think I told you this, but there's always a part about an hour in sure. where I fall asleep. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm like, Whatever this conflict is, I know it's not the real one, yeah. and I know we're about to do some bullshit fighting. Yeah, and then in thirty minutes, there's going to be a, the real one. Right, and then yeah. at the end of this, there's going to be a thing after the credits that's like it's just so. Yeah. It's you, like, you know what it is. Every time I watch them, I am unable, despite my best efforts, to stay immersed in the universe, and I just see the executive committee that wrote the movie together. Yeah, that's all I can see. You know, well, what? every I, time there's a fight scene, so this is my favorite example. Uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, the fight between between the Hound and Brienne of Tarth. Mm-hmm. That's a fight scene. Yeah, yeah. Anything less than that is pathetic. And that, like <laughs> because like fucking come on, you know, give us an actual fight that feels real and believable and messy, not this choreographed dancing bullshit that you get in most. Well, also the the other issue I had was that they're kind of all invulnerable at a point. Yeah. Right. So there was a fight that was like between like Hulk and Loki. Yeah, yeah. He was just like bashing his head in. I was like, what am I it's watching? Yeah, what is like, this? Yeah, exactly. Um, Give us something that actually feels. I, I will say, I'm just going to stick up for them a little bit, a little bit, and, and say <laughs> that at its best, I think what people remember from these movies mm. is not those things necessarily. Mm. I think at the end of the day, there are some legitimate character arcs and, and uh, um, storylines that resonate with people emotionally, and that's what they come. Nobody came out of Endgame talking about the cool fight scenes. Um, there were some... Six, I don't know if you, I'm sure you didn't see it, it sounds like. No, I did. Okay. I've seen nearly all of them. I'm going to spoil Endgame for you, everybody. You, Warning. You've, you've stop, had, list, stop listening I for one minute. You, you get seen six it. months of no spoilers. <laughs> uh, it has been past six months. I mean, that's better you know than what people I mean? gave The Mandalorian. Uh, right, which I have not watched yet, and I really want to. And but, I'm sure you've been spoiled. No. Um, I... Not really, but um, but I've, I'm hearing that even the smallest things are spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, but like people talk about like when people talk about that movie and they remember that movie, mm. they're talking about like the Captain America scene at the end. They're talking mm. about Iron Man and like sort of his arc. No one's being like, remember this cool fight scene. So I will say that there are some legitimate character things that were pulled off well. Um, I would almost say what you just said is almost a knock on that movie. That no one is like, remember this cool action? Because it's like, that's kind of what you would get. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, uh, if you have read the original Watchmen. (laughs) I have. um, Well, this has been a lot of fun. uh, (laughs) When when I watched episode one of this Watchmen series, I was like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand how this has any relationship to the book that I read. And they're taking the comic book as canon. Uh, But the first episode is just like, what that what is this like right, yeah. i had what is the connection between this and then episode 6 that just aired last night has the coolest like narrative thing that links it to the original in a way that's just like right. i was like damien lindelof is a storytelling mm-hmm. genius i'm excited well yeah. i can it's very cool 
You are both gentlemen of intellect and cultural sophistication, so I'm inclined to trust your opinions, and I'm excited to check out these things. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, uh, but I was referring to the uh, Seafarer's Medical oh, yeah. Certificate, uh, because that's something Simon wrote about on his blog recently. Oh, yeah. I have not read this article yet. I've oh, been, yeah. Uh, dying it's to. definitely worth reading, and also- I feel a, good that that's where that came from, because I did not get that joke. A little, uh, bit of a, little bit of a nightmare glimpse into being a touring performer, right. I yeah. would say. Uh, but it was basically your journey trying to get the right paperwork to do your work. Yeah. 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 In a notch. That's the very, very, very succinct TLDR. Yeah. Really quick, um, uh, as we're early on, where can people find that writing or other writings of yours? That uh, would want pr- them to read? Pretty much, I, I spent some time trying to get this to work a while back. Whatever app you currently have open on your phone, type Things by Simon into it, mm. and you'll find me. Or something okay. I've done. Uh, things by so Simon. Anybody that has the blog. I any in, app? I typed it into words with friends. And I typed it into Pornhub, <laughs> and nothing came up. <laughs> Pornhub, it should come up. Right. Look, I'm working on it. Yeah. Okay. I'm great. trying. I'm trying to get there. Uh, things by Simon.com is the blog. The long dormant, recently reignited blog. Uh, you you uh, on you were you posted that link and you said like you're trying to get back into this kind of thing? yeah I'm trying was to get... it like regular writing practice something you were working on yeah for a long time I started said blog about oh god it was about it was about five years ago and I could, because I wanted to primarily wanted to get better at writing mm-hmm. and get and fight my perfectionism mm-hmm. uh, and get over my massive massive hangups about putting my stuff out into the world yeah I have huge innate resistance to that unless it's something I, that I I would recommend wholeheartedly. I'm like, ah, I don't like it. So I went, all right, need therapy, start a blog. And I committed to absolutely no matter what, writing one thing a week, mm-hmm. publishing it into the world. Mm-hmm. And that was scary. It still is terrifying. I yeah. hate hitting share, publish on anything. Right. Um, and I kept that going for three years. Mm. I wrote one thing a week for three years because I was like really, really committed and it was it was hell. It was so hard to do and it was so stressful. Mm-hmm. And what I found was my writing did get better but it did not get easier, uh-huh. <laughs> which was sort of this monkey's paw type. It's wish. probably it true. Did, it writing, did get yeah. better, but it didn't get easier. It was just as brutal. It's still just as brutally hard <laughs> as it was then, but at least it's better quality. And then I stopped because my life was a mess at the time and I just couldn't handle it. So I decided to take that stress out of my life. And recently I'm like, you know what? I want to kind of get back on that wagon. Yeah. Um, it, I think there's probably a split in magicians, but performers in general that, um, there's one group of performers that is just wants to be good at it and just to be noticed because you're good, but doesn't want to put yourself out there in a promotional way. Right. Uh, which I bet you guys are both, I'm in that category. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other smaller, but more, um, more booked category yeah. of guys that are like, um, whatever level I'm at, I will promote myself to that and beyond. Yeah. And it comes naturally right. to them. So I don't know. Like, I wonder if people like that would have the issue of, like, putting themselves out there yeah. for... They probably th- don't have the perfectionism. I have issue. noticed exactly the same dichotomy in actually most fields. Yeah. Uh, and I, to me, it's the, does this person care about being good or being famous? Mm. And it's almost always mostly one or the other. Sometimes it's both. Yeah. But, and the people that yeah. care about being famous, they, the, the, I guess the thing is that it works. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Completely. the thing. I mean, we, we've talked about this on the podcast before, oh, yeah. but there are definitely people that you can really uh, point at. And, and sure, there are problems with that. But um, there are really some people that you just totally envy this quality of like, I'm just going to go for it. And like with no sort of shame or fear yeah. of failure, uh, we talked. I think talked about like Ben Schwartz. Are you familiar with the comedian actor Ben Schwartz? No. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he is very very funny. But he's he, really strong. But he's comedian, someone who's very comfortable actor. being like, "Oh, you got the gig? How'd you get that gig? Let me uh, put my yeah. name in for Who that books gig. that? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, um, and and they're like with with a shame that I am I am just racked with constantly. It's like no, I, unless I know that I have 
Like I'm, you know, undeniably mm. the perfect person for this. I'm Beyond terrified. All reasonable you know. doubt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, like for uh, as an example, um, when I was in Edinburgh, which I do want to ask you about as well, because um, mm. we talk about we've talked about that a lot in this podcast, and of course you've also mm. done the Edinburgh Festival. Um, uh, one night, my stage manager and myself realized that there was um, someone who operated a, a website called a World Magic Review who was going around all the Edinburgh shows reviewing um, reviewing the shows. And they were all shows with a little bit more publicity and, and mm. people with a little bit more clout. And she's like, oh my God, we have to get this person our show. And I've been there mm. for like 10 days. You know, I was, I was pretty happy with the show. And as soon as she's like, let's email her. And I was like, fuck that. Uh, and she goes, fine, fine. Let's like, like, like tweet at her or something. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not pushing this <laughs> yeah. person at all like i was the idea of asking a reviewer to come to the show yeah. mortified me and 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 there was you know and uh, maybe there's some some good qualities to that but there was also like at the end of the day i'm like some you know uh, people who are more successful are inviting 60 reviewers and you know when mm. six of them bash the show they're they don't really yeah they aren't really bothered by that and i think uh, this is something I've actually talked to my mom about quite a bit, where we talk about performers that I kind of hate because I have just too much of that. Mm. And she's like, you just need 10% of what yeah. that it is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard to hit wrong. that spot, though. Right. Because where it just goes into, like, specifically who we were talking about. Uh, I don't want to say this person's name, and I've shitted, on, I've shat on him a couple times on this podcast without saying his name. Remember when we were at Fism? Mm-hmm. Okay. Remember when we were in the airport at Fism? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know who So I've told about. that story to my mom a lot. And she's like, you just need, like, 3% of that energy. <laughs> because, I mean, think about just, like, yeah. how confident that person walks through the world, yeah. you know? And I, I There should have be a, a podcast with just the, you guys being like, Hey, remember that time? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh. you, ever, you ever played the board game Articulate? No. It's a really good, it's, it's sort of a, a, a semi-classic. It's not like Scrabble classic, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's basically just a, a constrained communication game. You have to, you have a list of words you have to get your teammate or members to say mm-hmm. without. So if the word is socks, you go, oh, are these go on your feet under your shoes? You go, socks, yes, next. And you try and get as many as you can in a minute. That's mm-hmm. your score. It goes around. But they have a really fun mode, which is when you get an all play. Which is now there's no time limit and there's only one word, but anyone can jump in and guess. Mm. So you have to now go say it was like that was exactly it. It's like all right. So remember that time when this say the uh-huh, words banana. Yeah. Right. I'll be like, okay, John. Remember uh, six weeks ago we were at Disneyland. Right. That meal you ordered it had a weird side dish. What that that right. thing? So right. you did it in a way that only that person would right, get it. Right. Right. It's a really interesting challenge, right? Huh. I yeah. I I, I mean, I I'm, I'm not going to say their name out of respect, but this person also <laughs> single handedly kept me off of Penn and Teller. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Because oh, I sent them yeah. in a tape, and they went, "We love it," but it's similar to this thing we've already had. Oh, okay. so this person, yeah. but he didn't, he didn't, this person he didn't is, like say like, "Oh, no, no matter what." Put not I mean, only in my nightmares. <laughs> he he did not by intent. Not but, by intent, um, but by action. Is he the only one to have ever done that on that show? I, I don't know, but um, it, it he had a successful appearance. Hmm. Yep. Um, and so, like, even though mine kind of goes down a different path, uh, they were like, ah, it's too similar. Do you have anything else? I was hmm. like, no. God damn it. You said something else? He's like your what? accidental you nemesis. the other thing? I did, and then they ghosted me. Yeah, so yeah. they were like, well, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, it's, a, it's a weird, they've made some strange choices on that show. Yeah, yeah, I really am. Uh, they mo- mostly really good. Overall, fantastic. Love the show, but they have occasionally made some, booked some weirdly bad acts and left other really good acts. Right. On the table. That, honest to God, because like, I was really proud of what I sent in. Mm. And I was a little bummed when that kind of didn't pan out. Yeah. And there was, I'm, I was trying not to be too bitter. I was really trying to yeah. be like adult about it. But watching some of the people on the season, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a little, I was a little, I, I try, you know. Yeah. 
That's yeah. part of it. I get it. And I'm, I'm trying to mature to a point where yeah. that doesn't bother me. But Just to I, be clear, you're talking about Tom Stone. I'm talking okay, about Tom um, Stone. Um, I didn't know. Can you tell me the two FISM awards you won? Um, I came, shit, what were they? Uh, 2009, I tied for third in close-up magic. Wow. Yeah. Was the micro magic category? Technically micro magic. Sure. But no one knows what the hell that is. I understand. No, I, close-up, yeah. 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 Technically in micro magic. Since we've talked about it on the podcast quite a bit, magic. I think any listener might know like close-up yeah. as the umbrella. So, yeah. I came equal third in, in micro slash close-up and in 2012. Who did you tie um, with? You Johan Stahl. Wonderful. And he's got a great act yeah. as well. That's, oh, that's a great a, company. There's a, yeah. I've heard the story. If you want yeah. to it, you're welcome to. It's a, it's a weird story. It's uh, but Johar and I got off to a weird start, but like have uh, very few people in the world share a physical world. Right, right. That's an, uh, like, what is it like when strange... Shin Limmer in a room together? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, it's a strange bond. Uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. So you have to mail friend. it back and forth. Pretty yeah. much, yeah, yeah. We like share it around. And um, in 2012, so the top half, and Johan is the bottom half. <laughs> the, in... top, the top part. Yeah. Well, actually, funnily enough, 20, 2009, because that was in China, the trophies were janky as fuck. Mm. They were so badly made <laughs> that mine actually did fall apart into two pieces oh. a month later. <laughs> and so I sort of out of iro- ironic, um, I don't know, sort of almost m- mini performance art, I just sort of taped it back on with masking tape really obviously and uh-huh. badly, just kind of as like to show how shitty it still was. Right. Yeah. Because uh, that's funny. In 2012, I came fourth in card magic, but won most original close-up act. Oh, cool. So I didn't win an actual prize, but I right. got the, the Miss Congeniality Which, uh, um, award, uh, It basically. is interesting. I mean, uh, I, I do. I think that is a trend that like somebody that kind of closely misses yeah. out to a top award tends to get uh, a most original um, uh prize and which i think is great yeah. but, you know and the running joke i always go is people are like wow the most original i'm like yeah not the most good but the most original <laughs> um, the most I, I not, say, it was the most original. not unlike things we've seen you can shit on that <laughs> all, 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 i do think there is i mean tremendous like uh, accomplishment and, and oh yeah and uh plus that reading that reads very well right well getting most yeah. original at a competition that above all yeah. else prizes originality yeah. and ingenuity yeah um, i think that's you know and some of my favorite acts that i love watching are acts that won most original like ted cam i think yeah. has a brilliant oh, act yeah. and he won most original in 2009 yeah. i think what maybe the same year on stage is that possible uh yes actually i um, think so and that's what his is a wonderful act uh, i i do want to I, I mean we can cut this out if you're like what hey, a, sure. a, right, a dick move let's see what happens. i'm just curious uh because I think um, if you can talk about this arc a little bit, mm. you're someone that in many of our conversations mm. is con- is constantly kind of challenging me on any like, are you doing this to entertain everyone? Or are you doing mm. this to try to impress magicians? Yeah. And it's interesting to me that you've had a lot of success at competitions that really kind of exist to impress other magicians. Yeah, completely. Um, and I and I find that there's uh, it seems like a different in your intent to compete at FISM and you know more than once mm. with success more than once to where you are now where it's like. If I, you know, if there's a hundred, if there's a hundred people in a room, this is something you've said to mm. me. Ninety-nine of them are magicians, and one person's not a magician. You're performing for one person. Yeah, hundred um, uh, percent. Did you feel like that when you were doing your FISM uh, 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 performances? No, because the FISM performances, because that's a weird situation where it's the opposite. It's a hundred percent of the right, people absolutely. in the room are magicians. So at that point, I'm playing for the magicians, sure. and that's why. And this is sort of one. This is one of the reasons why. I now have sort of such a, for myself, hard line. It's almost right. to remind myself to stay strong. Right. So I actually it, didn't want to come at you with like a, is, well, now you see nope, this. No, it's a, hundred, <laughs> it's a 100% reasonable question. Uh, the And this is one of the reasons I am so hard line because with the, the two FISMs, I'm very glad I did them, very proud of that achievement. Uh, but it, it's weird. Like they, it's hard to measure any tangible benefit they've had on my career or life. Mm-hmm. They have, mm-hmm. but it's hard to measure. I didn't get any gigs because of it. 
I didn't get any media or tea. I probably could have if I was a, you know, dilutant, you know, fame-driven. If you were that an airport driven, I right. would have sent out press releases or I don't know, whatever the fuck people do. But to a lot of people, you'd have coverage. to be like, you have to explain, explain what, what it is. Yeah, means. exactly. So I really did nothing for my like mainstream profile at mm. all. It gave, gave me a lot of credit in the magic industry, but that's not something I see as super valuable. It's nice. I'd appreciate it. Thank mm. you. But it's not useful to what I want out of life. Right. And... But for the FISMs, because I knew, right, I'm going to do a magic competition, both those FISM acts were designed to play to a crowd of magicians. Right. And consequently, both those acts are not really, in my eyes, usable out there in the real world. Right. And I never do them. I've basically never done them since. And you had just said to me a couple weeks ago, um, when we went to Robert's show at the Pack Theater, Mm. someone I I do want to, at some point today, uh, uh, compliment on his successful run uh, this uh, this past week in the parlor. Um, And uh, you were there last night. But uh, Mm. when we were there, you, you talked about... And uh, if you don't mind repeating yourself, you're talking yeah, sure. about like the problem with the close-up gallery and sort of like, oh the, yeah, kind of uh, not to put words in your mouth, but sort of like the dangers of that room. It's too, yeah. uh, it's too close up. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> need to move it further away from the audience. Not close up enough. More, the, we need a video camera and a big screen. Right. Yeah, it's a similar thing. It's thinking about okay, what do you? And this this applies to everything in right. life. Like when you're learning something, when you're studying, like what do you want out of life? What do you what are you trying to achieve? What do you what do you want? I mean, financial security, quality relationships. Good times, health, well, you know, all this stuff. You, what do you actually want? And then what what are you doing right now? How is that helping that? And to zoom back into, like, the magic close-up gallery, close-up magic to me is the best form of the art. It's magic at its best. It's the most beautiful, most powerful, just absolutely this. But there is basically no way to have a lucrative career doing it unless you are very lucky or get into a very narrow niche. Because if you're a close-up guy, quote-unquote, as I was for a long time, you know what you get? Walk around magic gigs, which are the death of the human spirit. Right. They are the They're death the of worst. art. They are the I, worst I have a great, things. I was doing a close-up gig about a year ago with a friend of mine. It was in the junior program with me, Mark Gibson. Mm. Really talented guy, very nice. And I was talking, he was lamenting on how rough clo- uh, uh, walk-around gigs yeah. oh, are. God, 200 people and... I was like a, a, a fancy like um, uh, vintage feel, car warehouse. I feel bad for hiring you for one. No, uh, no uh, um, <laughs> we'll take the money. I'll t- you, yeah, you need the money. Um, but uh, I was talking about uh, uh, you know walk around gigs, and he said something that I then added on. Is he goes, yeah, doing walk around is kind of like for two straight hours just hitting on every single person at a bar. Yeah, and then I and then to yeah. what I added, I said it's like hitting on everybody at a bar for two hours, except you never get laid. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Unlike when you are normally hitting on people at a bar, right? And then and I, you uh, then, always, <laughs> and then you occasionally get like, right? Would you would you put into the, that category like the guys who do go around the tables at Chicago Magic Lounge before you? There is a, is a thing. In fact, I did a strolling gig mm-hmm. um, a few weeks ago on a show that you were on in yeah. Pasadena um, at uh, the one Pasadena one courtyard. I think one Colorado. It was called? Oh, one, one Colorado. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that, and put on by the new Bad Boys of Magic, uh, which was a, a really fun uh, show. Um, and that I had no problem doing because mm-hmm. there's it's very easy to do walk around magic at a place where people are expecting magic okay if yeah. you're gonna pay if you paid to see a magic show and someone does magic beforehand to you it's very easy they're very receptive <laughs> it would be funny nice. if they were like get away from me right right yeah. um and i usually joke about that i'm like would you like to see some magic and i'm very uh, you know nice <laughs> yeah. about it and they're like oh absolutely i'm like right it'd be weird if you said no sitting in the front mm-hmm. row of a magic show yeah. uh that you just paid for you're like yeah. no 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 we paid at eight o'clock to see magic. <laughs> it is 7 37 you know we paid for doves <laughs> right um so so those are are very nice and there are some times where um like when I did uh, your wedding, 
it was a bunch of like comedians and cool performers. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. there's a silhouette cutter there. Like it was the right um, mm-hmm. environment. I never had a, a moment of resistance. I, that was some of the, actually a, a comedian who disparaged the Magic Castle. Um, right. Who uh, um, uh, uh, Paul F. Tompkins? Anyone listening to this? Uh, uh, who's a tremendous comedian? He's uh, uh, just he's, he was Is on uh, BoJack Horseman. Uh, great comedian and great actor. Um, he has this hilarious like seven minute bit about going to the Magic Castle and kind of just tracks oh, the really? entire experience. Oh my god! I'll send it to you. I'm so excited. Um, well, it, it drew some controversy because somebody posted it in the AMA Facebook page. Oh yeah, and man, did people get shitty real quick. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, like all the uh, all the the, the magicians uh, yeah, who though. who label themselves as well. I'm also a comedian, you know. And like, and this just isn't funny. It's just not funny. And then and then and then like the John Lovicks are like, well, I've seen this live at like these successful like at Largo and these successful stand up clubs, and it kills. They're like, yeah. well, I'm just going off what's in front of me, and it's not funny. And someone had posted like an abridged version from a, a comedy festival in Montreal and it wasn't the entire thing and it's kind of like edited down they're like well who even knows that he wanted this posted like he didn't even know that this mm. was maybe taped um, and so then I found the full version on YouTube I'm like well now the whole thing's in front of you so fucking <laughs> you have no excuse not to watch it you assholes um, and man did people get shit and he was, he was taking such good jabs about like the dress code and stuff yeah. oh, that's um, so funny. and like how a friend of his shows up in like really really dark black denim pants mm. they're like sorry sir you have to wear these pants that like went down to his shin bones <laughs> And then you're like, is that really an improvement, Magic Castle? Uh, it's like, good thing that man's not wearing denim. The least magical of fabrics. <laughs> some incredible stuff, and it's and it's hilarious. And and so like when people were shitting on it on this page, mm. I was like, I as a, I vow that he can come in on as my guest anytime he wants. Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, so that, but like, when when people, you don't feel as bad when people are expecting it, basically. Oh no, because oh, I yeah, mean. Yeah. It's just like there's just that that first twenty seconds of interrupting a conversation, trying to get in there, mm. you know, um, and like kind of setting yourself up. If people aren't expecting it, it's really a tough, yeah. really a tough thing to do. And uh, at, at an event like that, if people are cool, you know, I mean, at your wedding specifically, people were coming up to me upset that I hadn't gotten to them yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like sometimes you get lucky. That's rarer though, um, especially because as you know, I'm I'm not a super extroverted person when it comes to introducing myself to people yeah. to like. Again, like we were talking about, that kind of confidence. Yeah, I bet your guy from the airport could do this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, with a, like, you're welcome sort of attitude. Um, so is there a solution for this? Kind of, yes and no. I mean, there's a, few, there's a few other layers to it as well, because one is, like, <laughs> this is a weird analogy, but it makes me think about chemotherapy. In that, when I'm you do work... i <laughs> this. is what my brain does. It's weird and sometimes annoying. The... Because when you do walk around, you are some people are going to love it and go, "Oh hell yeah, I want to see some magic." God, yes, I'm so happy now. A lot of other people, myself included, and this comes into the do as you would be done by principle. I'm like, hey, well, what would I want to experience? And I'm a weird dude. Like, I get it. I'm odd. I'm very introverted. Like, if a walk around performer comes up to me, I am now upset that I have to deal with the awkwardness of politely refusing this. It's not a big deal, but it's like it's like a micro burden. It's like, ugh, my evening is slightly worse because of this walk around performer. I don't want it. I don't want to engage with it because uh-huh. most walk around performers are awful. Like you're great, you know, plenty of fun. But most people are just again generic comedian, generic magician. Most people are pretty narcissistic and just not mm-hmm. very nuanced and just a bad time. So you don't see it as a. Um, so you actually. You're trying to find a polite way to turn it down, basically. But if I'm on the receiving end, yeah, yeah I'm okay. usually not interested. I don't. So you don't see, see the it. do as I would be done as like let me watch this act and and act like it's great. No, <laughs> I no, I think if I if I'm doing walk around, uh-huh. I'm going if the roles reversed, 
I don't want to be approached by me. Right. Uh-huh. So I don't want to approach anyone. I also <laughs> want to be approached and that's, by And that's where it feels like I chemotherapy. See. And the, key, well, the problem with chemotherapy, you're attacking the cancer cells. But in order to do that, you have to also attack all these cells you don't want to attack. <laughs> So you're going to make a few people happy, but to do that, you've also got to make a lot of people sad. Like you are, when you do a walk around gig, you are 100 percent guaranteed to make at least someone's evening slightly worse. Oh. And I just can't deal with the karmic debt of that. I just hate it. I mean, I, just, I, I I do a lot of gigs that I'm probably you know should charge more for, given just the, the, to kind of raise the overall standard. Mm. But um, there's a couple of things that I'll be doing in like December that are house parties um, where uh, uh, I, I'm doing like shows where like yeah. people see, you know, and I'll do like a 35 minute, uh, 40 minute like close-up show which is great and i will do those i will drive an hour to do one of those for 250 dollars um before i'll you know drive 10 minutes to do a walk-around gig for 700 dollars. you know it just it just like it's so much well well, we should first talk about your business practices because that uh no no that checks out let's do bad business people anonymous (laughs) but the the other problem with walk-around is even like that one colorado gig where it's people are expecting it and they're happy to see you so let's say Best case, everyone is actively hoping to see you. Mm. Great, you now longer no longer have to you no longer have to annoy people or upset them or chat, you know give the introverts a difficult time to go. Oh no, thank you, yeah. sorry. Because my heart always goes out to the least privileged people in a situation. Right, right. The people who are the most awkward, the weakest. Like I care about their experience more than the people who are fine and can deal with whatever. Mm. But let's say it's great and it's awesome and they're all happy to see you. The problem is this is still a dead end for your career and life <laughs> because you will never right. be respected. Not truly. You are always, at best, a side dish to the stage show or an appetizer. Uh-huh. You are like would think David Copperfield, Chris Angel, Penn and Teller, or any big comedian would they be doing walk around? No, of course they wouldn't, because they're actually successful and good. Right. You are by the fact that you are doing walk around. You are low. Like you are unworthy of you know. Yeah, you're good. Doesn't matter how good you are. You're still the appetizer. You're yeah. still the side dish. Wow. You'll never be seen as the the having made it or hit the big time. Whatever those mean for you. Those are impossible through walk-around magic. That was and like the, the only, personification yeah. of my own <laughs> self-doubt. Yeah, and it's, that's and that's the You'll thing. Like, good and this is what was weird about One Colorado, right? Because I and this is why the close-up gallery. I basically made a rule. This is about six years ago now to stop doing close-up magic, even though I want to. I fucking love it. It's so good. But if I work that close-up gallery, that reinforces the perception of me as a close-up performer and mm-hmm. that means I'm, all I'm ever getting is walk around gigs anyway come Ooh. see me in the close up gallery December yeah. 9 through 15 and, and this is what was heartbreaking about one Colorado so I'm there doing the stage show and John who's goddamn fantastic is doing walk around see what I mean it's great Dr. Si. And, <laughs> and I can tell you that that crowd like respected him like didn't disrespect oh, no, you I, if I even may uh, yeah. add to that there's yeah. something about the oh, all you said about the less. side dish yeah to the, the side dish mentality of yeah. that. Um, there is some real context that is lost because I, when, you know, doing a lot of card magic, I'm able to do bits that I do in my close-up show mm. to, and, and anytime I do a close-up show like at Magic Bar or the close-up gallery um, that uh, are really, really strong and I'm very, very happy with and do great in a close-up show that in these strolling settings get fine reactions. There was something really strange about like the context of where we are, were that it just felt less yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. like i mean every no bad reactions but every reaction was less than in, like what i would typically get in a show mm-hmm. and and there to me felt like a really like um subconscious you know, acknowledgement it's, it's, that um, it's just less it's that it's that thing josh bell did josh bell the viol the virtuoso when he was in the subway bingo yeah, yeah that's it there josh bell on the subway is anyone good doing walk around 
Oh no! Could you give a little bit of context? I mean, I, also, I can kind of pick up what you're so talking Josh about. So Josh Pearl, one of the best uh, violinists in the world. Mm-hmm. Like you know, this guy play, solo plays packed out concert halls for hundreds of dollars a ticket. Unbelievable! Like off the scale, talented and popular. He decided as an experiment. This was someone else's idea, but he went along with it. It was like whichever magazine it was in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Washington like Post, Times or Post, something, or something like that. that. Yeah, I think it was a Post because I think it was to in go, the to DC yeah, subway to do basically a rough experiment in how does context change your perception oh, of, of quality. Yeah, and so they went, let's get the best one of the best violinists in the world to bust on the subway just right. go hang out and busk and would people see how great this was and the answer was basically no mm-hmm. on average a few people did but they were rare exceptions the context and the framing that you put around what you're doing is often more important than the actual content for the way it's perceived by people sure and that's walk around is the most shitty negative anti-good i, I my vocabulary is terrible yeah, right now. Like all the context yeah. around it is just the worst. It's saying you are value. you are cheap and low and disposable mm-hmm. yeah. and interchangeable and generic. Now he also made less money when they made him do coins across. He'd <laughs> never done it before. Right. I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, would it be? Could you make a living doing it like in Germany? Um, well, you can make a living doing doing close up. Oh, but okay. you're doing walk around gigs. Okay. Right. Well, you will never be. You know, like. Respected, admired, have and, a fan base and, and or the, following the money, or all of the good stuff. Uh, if, uh, from what my understanding, the, the money that you're getting in a career quote doing uh, a walk around close up mm-hmm. magic is at corporate events. And that's why like, you're never going to make a, car- a, a good career out of doing that before magic shows where people mm-hmm. want to see magic. You're doing yeah. it at like, big yeah, corporate events or trade shows where, where people don't want to see magic. They're not expecting care. it. All the positive things that I attributed to it are not the scenario you're getting. It's as, funny as you said many times, Simon, <laughs> um, that there tends to always be an inverse between like, how good a gig is versus how well it pays. Yeah. When you mentioned yeah. chemotherapy, I thought you were going to say that the solution of like putting a camera on it and projecting it so that a big like a crowd could see you was ah, also yeah. a solution that like kills the good part of it. <laughs> well, at that point, I think because I, I I have thought a lot about this because I do a lot of this. I've heard um, you discuss yeah. that you don't consider that close up. Yeah, I I would say that is a also very good but completely different art form. Yeah, uh, I would I would call that. There's no real word for it because that's usually called quote unquote close up. Oh, magic. you called it stadium. The the, the the term as it's becoming more popular yeah. and Eric Jones and Shin Limbs are, are really yeah. blowing up. The the this sort of circulating term of hearing around the community oh, as yeah. it were is stadium close up. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, it's not a bad time. You know, and then I, I have heard time. more Which than also one. also folds in some aspirational, how big our audience is <laughs> right. going to be. Well, um. exactly, right? Because this is, if you if you are good at what you're doing and you're working hard and you are doing good shit and it's worthy of respect and appreciation, which we'd all, we'd all like, let's face it, even if yeah. that's not our driver, you will never get it doing walk around. You just yeah. can't. Because people aren't capable of perceiving that as something great. Because yeah. it turned up at their table unannounced. Yeah, and I wonder if maybe it's just just like a, a physical limitation that's baked into close up that that I think prevents a, it from being a mass yeah. market. Well, yeah, and that's thing. the other problem. You can never sell out a big venue doing genuine close up. Yeah, doing stadium close up. That's a good word. I've never heard that before. I like. Oh yeah, it. and I've heard several people kind of half heartedly but somewhat seriously, I suppose, um, say that that should be its own category at FISM. Oh yeah, because 100%. eventually, because now that's yeah. that is the way the trend is going, and people yeah. are realizing that through a camera you can just do almost anything, yeah. and it looks incredible. And that was actually what I did at both FISMs. I designed my act to be done into a camera into a camera lens, uh-huh. uh, because again, it's the in so many fields in life, there's a huge difference between how things are labeled and thought of versus what they actually are. I mean, in everything. I mean, every nuance. And that's one of them. Of the of a medium changes what it is because I realized yeah. this recently because I shot a couple things on streaming shows that are um, like 
where they have to shoot all the episodes at once, uh, essentially. So I shot on the thing last week that's um, going to be on Hulu. And they have, I think, 10 or 12 episodes. And they they do what's called cross-boarding, which means they're shooting episode two, scene six. And at the same location, they're shooting episode seven, scene three. Mm. So everything's laid on top of each other mm. to pack the schedule so that they can use their resources correctly. Um, and a huge difference from that and shooting like Superstore is, is that, it doesn't matter how impressive I'm in episode two. It doesn't matter how impressive I am in episode two to them. They can't write me into bigger parts in the rest of that yeah. series because it's, they've already shot half of the other episodes already. Yeah, right. Whereas superstore, if they like me, they can kind of like, which is what happened. They expanded the character storyline mm-hmm. right. as organically. And as I, I've uh, commented, you were in the last, the two most recent episodes of superstore, episodes yeah. eight and nine. Um, and I, and I, I, you know, I've never like timed it, but watching the last episode, I texted you. I'm like, I feel like this is the most screen time you've got. Yeah, it might be. You kind of had you had entire scenes dedicated just to you and and uh, um and Colton's uh, Colton, character, Colton's character uh, Garrett, and they're really funny. But but like, as you're I think discovering to, VR. I think to a lot of people that you would think like, well, it's just a TV show. It's a half hour comedy. It's single camera. These are the same experience, yeah, no, and it's really not. The yeah. fact that they're scheduled differently changes the artistic right. result. In a way that's like kind of imperceivable, mm-hmm. and also prevents me from getting booked for more episodes. Right, it's yeah. my main point. Right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so close up is a, a a beautiful, beautiful trap. Sadly, it, it's the best form of magic. But do you ever feel is... while you're doing like a parlor show, like I'd mm-hmm. rather be doing a close up show? Less so now because uh-huh. it's not like I don't also enjoy parlor and stage magic, mm-hmm. which is most of my job now. Thankfully, I have managed to kind of make this transition start to work. I still really enjoy those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know. I enjoy a lot of things beyond magic as well. It's not the only thing I enjoy care about, but it's just my primary source of income right now. Yeah. Um, and I've, as I've steered hard in this direction, I've discovered more great things that now a lot of my favorite material is stage and stand up and parlor. But um, I do, I do lament that there is no way that I know of to really make close up work, barring extraordinary circumstances of producing your own formal close up show. There's a few venues in Germany that are making it work. Right. Yeah, genuine that's what I was theaters, wondering yeah. if. But but also in, in Spain, is, I think also has it a is not. It but is also not Dennis Bear like has another job, doesn't he? Like isn't he like a mathematician I or something? So. Yeah, I yeah. think he was, uh, works. Yeah, yeah. and there, exactly so it's right. not impossible. Just look, I mean, in in showbiz, the odds are already stacked against you mm-hmm. in nearly every way. And if you're trying to make a career work as a close-up magician and you actually want to become successful or recognized or admired or appreciated, the odds are stacked against you by another several orders of magnitude. Yeah. So screw that. I'm going into stand- I'm, I mean, I'm a stand-up <laughs> stage performer now. Yeah. That's, and, I, and close-up is a hobby. That's the delineation I now draw. Close-up magic is a, is a deeply passionate hobby, mm-hmm. but absolutely not something that I, I pursue professionally, mm-hmm. tragically. Um. Well, John, your close-up run's coming up soon. <laughs> December, once again. Yeah. So yeah, feel, but, you've been, but you know, you've been working on your parlor stage show I'm as well. There. And yeah, exactly. It's tough. I mean, because I, I, I um, there's just so much. It's, 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 parlor's a weird thing. I was talking to John Armstrong mm. about this a little bit yesterday yeah. uh, when I saw him. And, and he is somebody that, you are both people uh, mm. that in your careers had to make huge shifts from yeah. close-up magic into, into parlor magic. I am now sort of, um, I, I, what I'm finding is that, like, no amount of advice that you hear from people will really register until you have that experience yourself. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. anytime you listen to somebody, you know, how many times have I listened to John Armstrong or before or anybody say in lectures or anything that exactly what you just said? Mm-hmm. The pe- like, the path to a career is not in close to magic. The path to a career is not in close to magic. So, you know, a lot of people say it. Um, Unless you're one of those freaks who enjoy walk around. Right. There right, are some out there. There are some. Oh. They're usually weird people. Um, <laughs> 
and uh, they're usually massive extroverts. Uh huh. Right. Like and they're uh, like type one sort of. Yeah, like, that's uh, fine. But I, I have no way to relate to that. They would be good as salesmen. Generally. Yeah. Oh right. yeah. Absolutely. And like they love that. Like love the love the cold approach. Like yeah, get off yeah, on all yeah. that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. If that's you, sure, go for it. Um, but I heard a lot of people say that, but it really wasn't until, you know, in the last like two or three years or so, I'm getting all the, that I'm, that that's my primary source of income is these strolling gigs that I'm really realize like that it really kind of sank mm. in. And you can, I, 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 I've, I've yet to, um, to, uh, to come up with an articulate way of saying this. Maybe uh, mm. you know one. But I'm finding a lot of times in life, I'm finding there is a difference between what you know and what you feel, right? Like, I understood, oh, yeah. like, uh, growing up, I understood that the lines on a road were just lines and that you could, you know, drive over a line and that's how car accidents <laughs> happen. But it wasn't until I was 17. Were you, got, Matthew Broderick? Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> yikes. Um, but it wasn't until I got behind the wheel of a car and started driving that you really felt like, oh, fuck, these are just painted. Like, you know what I mean? There's, yeah. You kind of really feel it. The w- I understood that advice about close-up magic. I understood it in my head. Um, and maybe the suit deep down inside, you're like, no, not me though. Yeah. But then eventually, you really and when you go through it, that's when you really understand. Like that's yeah. when the, the really advice really hits the way, you. The way the way the way I tend to describe that, and this doesn't work on an audio only medium, so I'll narrate. Is like it's it's I I knew it pointing to head, but I didn't know it pointing right. to that's chest. That's exactly yeah. Mm. It's like there's, knowing it deep in your bones. Yeah, like eventually, yeah. yeah there's a difference between your head and your heart. Yeah. Um, and your gonads, and your and your gut, and your gonads. Like when you know it, it's also like, a, it's a strange through. progression of learning. F- because if you, because I imagine a lot of people are going through this journey, mm. right? Oh yeah. So if you are learning a bunch of discrete skills that are like f- tangible physical skills that are relevant to close up mm. for like five to ten years of your life, yeah. and then you're trying to shift to a distinct other medium. Even going from close-up to parlor, there's all these other things about, like, being a mm. stage performer. I mean, I'm, I know that you're a stage performer in close-up, but, like, what – it's weird to – there's a, probably a bunch of skills in close-up that you're not applying in other venues. Yeah. And it is – it was definitely and has been a weird transition. It was – I remember when I finally made my rule. I'm like, right, that's it. I'm drawing a line. I'm not allowed to – my rule was – I remember you told, this, telling me this yeah, a few years this ago. Yeah, this was in 2012 when I got my first ever actual proper stage magic gig. It was a four-month contract at a variety theater in Germany. Mm. So 400-seat theater, proper stage gig, the real thing. Yeah, there's a dog out there howling like <laughs> crazy. I, it okay. most likely is not going to get picked yeah. up. Uh, uh, these mics are pretty good about not picking that up. And this was – and I, I was I had to do a 12-minute set. I, I barely had enough material to make it work at the time. And I realized that was the epiphany that made me realize, oh, yeah, this can actually be a career, mm. unlike this close-up stuff I've been doing. I just hadn't really thought about it properly yeah. until then. And the rule I made was starting that day, I'm not allowed to work on any new material that can't play for minimum 200 people. Ooh. Minimum. And – there is the exception is, and this is thankfully as technology kind of moves at a pace and theaters start to get more equi- equipped, that does count uh, stadium close-up. Or mm-hmm. I was calling it projected micromagic, mm-hmm. which is a so almost deliberately awkward, clunky phrase mm-hmm. to kind of point out it's a weird thing. Yeah, and it's yeah, a thing yeah. that you need to acknowledge is a weird thing. And now when I do a stage show, again, for 400, 500, what, however many, 1,000 people, on average about a third, my personal rule is maximum a third of that show can be done through the camera projection system. Mm-hmm. Two-thirds has to be actual stage magic, like out there, unaugmented. But I do get to still use some of my close-up skills and intricate sleight-of-hand skills. Mm-hmm. But the difference is they are blocked for camera. They are not blocked for actual close-up where you are surrounded by people and can reach out right. and physically touch each other. It's a totally different performance art. The skills are... But the thing that does linger 
is I realized I was better. I'd learned how to learn, literally meta learning. Uh-huh. I was better at learning things now because I had had a lot of experience of teaching my body and mind to do weird, unintuitive stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. with no apparent trace of tension. And those skills all translated, just how to communicate, how to present, how to engage with the crowd, how to think about other people's mental internal states of what they think is happening, i.e. magic. And all of that translated incredibly well. So I found that going into stage magic pretty much as a beginner, it was a much smoother path because I'd already gone through a different mastery journey. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I had a very amateur version of this in, recently when we went to when I went to Sydney and then Edinburgh, which is I learned the truffle shuffle while I was gone. Oh yeah, and I was like, oh, I actually learned how to do this because I've been trying to do fucking double lift for like. 18 months and being just like, eh, I don't really like this. I'll just pick things that don't use double lift. <laughs> and then um, I saw Eric Tate at the Penguin Max convention and he mentioned a thing about the way he approaches double lift. And for whatever reason, it clicked. And now I'm kind of like, oh, there's these two things I didn't think I would be able to do that I have learned. Mm-hmm. So now if I want to look at something else, I'll be like, oh, I just know that there might be like two weeks of me being like, ugh, this isn't working. Yeah. And then for both of those things, you just go to sleep one night and then the next day you wake up and you're like, oh, it, it clicks yeah. now. Right, eventually there's there's kind of, you, you don't realize when it you can do it and then you can just sort of do yeah. it. It's a weird, I have found that arc with practicing certain moves where for like two months, I'm like, well, I just can't do this move, whatever it is, just yeah. doesn't, and then the next day I'm doing yeah. it. Like, oh shit, yeah. when did that happen? And that's, and that's a lot of his learn is, again, meta-learning, learning how to learn yeah. and learning how you learn, learning what your brain and body can do and getting more familiar with that makes you much better at learning more things in the future. Yeah, they do talk about um, that there's a significant part of your learning process that happens in between the yeah, sessions. absolutely. And that, I mean, I, I have a psychology degree. It's one yeah, of my yeah. weird things. And it like, neurology was my main area and that is literally at a physical neural level true. Like that yeah. is actually what is happening. Your brain is literally sprouting new axons off the, off the neural cells yeah. to go, oh shit, we're doing a lot of this stuff with our fingers. <laughs> you know what? Let's, let's like allocate some more neural resources to be better at that. And that takes days, weeks, months mm. for that to kind of happen. And that is happening in the background. It's mm. like muscle gain. Yeah, right, yeah. you don't gain the muscle while you're. I mean, something me and John know a lot about. Yeah, because yeah. uh, we do, we crank out some sets after this. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> recording. The, do the, the fun part. That's I should have mentioned. The fun part of this after we're done taping, you the three of us are going to do some weight training for about an hour, sick, hour and a half. Sick, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, drink this protein shake. Um, hey, we're we're at forty five minutes. We're at forty five minutes. What if we oh, uh, took a little pause here and then we talked about your? You actually brought things to talk. I did about. actually brought that we didn't talk about. Yeah. Um. So why don't we so, for this episode? Is there anything you want to plug? Um. Great. Plug that. <laughs> See you next week, everybody. Uh, well, we should actually Not talk really. about your podcast. I have. Um. Yeah. I guess so. I don't have anything. I. This is actually. Oh shit! No, I do have something to plug. Oh, Holy crap! I actually. This is. I'm be- ma- finally making better life choices and actually ah. doing things that might make me money somehow. Um. I want to plug the Magic Puzzle Company. Ah. Oh, this right. Is... I, um, maybe on the, if we take a pause and do another one, we'll, plug um, it, we'll, yeah. we'll talk. We'll just talk a little bit more yeah. about it then, because that but, is an interesting. Um, the Magic Puzzle Company, MagicPuzzleCompany.com. If you go there right now, it's just a sign up mailing list thing, but it's for something really cool that's coming soon that you'll hear about if you sign up. Uh, are you comfortable talking about it on the next episode? Oh yeah, totally. Cool. Okay. Oh, cool. oh in, that'll in, be a teaser for next. In episode. sort of, in sort Jeez, of, in sort of, back in vague week. ways, but yeah, we'll yeah, get cool. into some stuff. Um, so we'll pause and take a uh, seven-day break, and we'll see you next time <laughs> with Simon Cornell. Free next week. I can. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Cool. Make something. Happen.